We are the tellers of stories, you and I. It is our hands that paint the paths that heroines and heroes tread, our worlds that spell their doom. This is the canvas we pull our brush across, and these are the worlds we weave. Faithful listeners, welcome to our new Threat Dice show, The Worlds We Weave, a collective world-building experiment. If you didn't listen to the previous episode, it has an in-depth description of what this show is all about. But just to sum up, I will provide you with a spark of an idea that can fit into one or more of three genres of world, fantasy, sci-fi, and horror. You expand on this idea, give it depth, history, and some color, and send it in. If we choose your version of the spark to talk about on a future episode, it is entered into one of the three worlds as canon. Thus, slowly but surely, the worlds grow. After we publish our tabletop role-playing system, Trove, we will choose one of these worlds and design it as a setting for our game. In this, our inaugural episode, Kevin Berenger has joined me to talk about our first spark, the barkeep. Because of the youth of the show, we had to pad out the content with internal spark submissions from my two tumble die partners, Kevin and Kylan. So Kevin reads his own contribution, I read Kylan's, but we did get one outside submission from a fellow podcaster with whom you may or may not be familiar. Just a quick warning, there is a little graphic content during Kylan's submission. Listener discretion is advised. So, let's take a listen. Hey, Kevin. Hey, hey, Ellie. We're going to talk about barkeeps today. Who doesn't love a good barkeep? Who doesn't, who doesn't love their bartender? You got to love them, and you got to tip them. Tip them good. Tip generously and often. Mm-hmm. Because who knows what they're putting in your drinks. Also true. I just want to say we're learning as we go with this one. Uh, this is an experiment. It is in the works. And I realized a little too late after I had recorded the little trailer from last week that one week is not really a whole lot of time to give y'all to submit ideas. For example, a barkeep. So I want to give everybody enough time. And uh, full disclosure, it's not even a week because it's only two days after the release of that trailer that we're recording this. We're way ahead of the game, just a little too far ahead of the game. Yeah, sometimes you can be too ahead of the game. So consequently, two of the submissions are our wonderful Kevin Barringer. Um, the other one is from, now let me, wait, I got to check my notes to make sure I get his name right. Kylan Wigan, is that right? Is no, that no, I'm pretty, no? Sure, I'm pretty sure it's Wigan. I think it's, Wigan. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's probably, it's probably Killin' Wigan. So I'm pretty sure Kylan's going to come for us now. Oh, he's, he's going to fire us is what he's going to do. He rules threat dice with an iron fist. He does. He's terrifying. But we get stuff done. Yeah, yes, for sure. But the third submission came in very quickly, and uh, I'm very excited to say that it is from John from Tale of the Manticore. There will be much pain. There will be much pain in the days to come. And so I was very excited to hear about that. Tale of the Manticore, I'll put it in the show notes, um, is a wonderful hybrid of storytelling and old school Renaissance style RPG that uh, that John has put together. And I think he's up to like 25, 26 episodes. Yep, yeah, I just, I just listened to episode 25 and 
oh my god oh my god oh my god i can't wait for the next one. Oh yeah i check every day to see if the new one's up so thank you john we're gonna read your submission and talk about it actually we're gonna do that one first john's submission is really kind of wide open and leaves a lot for interpretation and discussion um, which is great so let me just read it for you old gabria of the white sticks tavern and inn she is old portly with eyes that are tired but kind she has been a widow from before she moved to the crossroads town of whatever the name of the village is she said she was looking for some peace and quiet, someplace she could start a little business that would keep her from becoming lonely in her twilight years. Actually, she's here for a purpose. Ever since she came here, and she has been here for over 20 years now, she's been looking for someone. She's beginning to lose hope that he will eventually pass by her way and stop for a drink or to rent a room. She fears he might be dead. But if there is any hope at all, she will wait, cleaning tables, making beds, and jawing with locals, who she has come to love, while she waits for his return. Who is she? Well, let's leave that to someone else to fill in. That was his entry. Oh, I love that. Old Gabria. Yeah. And he turned on a dime. Like, the our, the post wasn't up there for very long the episode wasn't up for very long announcing this and he he turned around and yeah. slapped this up that's amazing said that his mind works that way he listened to it and immediately sent me an email so that's awesome thank you john thank you john so old old gabria old gabria gabria i'm gonna say gabria just because i see those letters and that's where my brain goes mm -hmm. because I have a daughter with a similar name. Yeah, right, right. Gabria. Okay. Now, he leaves this so open that, why well, is is she waiting for a long lost love? Is she waiting for revenge? Is this person someone she wants to take out of the world? Or Ooh. Well, she's a widow. She's a widow. So, so, so maybe she's, she's the reason she's a widow. Oh, Maybe that, or maybe maybe she's waiting to avenge the death of her 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 spouse. Right, and you know this is somebody that she's uh, it's it's a it's a he that she's waiting for. Correct, and and she she's playing the long game. Right, and so it's interesting that her her strategy is to go through all the trouble of opening a tavern in this one particular spot instead of hunting this person down. She, her strategy is to stay in one place and run a business. And so what is the history between Gabria and this person she's waiting for that she knows he is going to stop at this place? Mm. Or, I mean, she doesn't know for certain, but she thinks that this is the best course of action. Like this is her trap. Um, and I, I'm thinking, I, I like where we're going, where this is revenge because, um, I think it will fit really well into the horror world. Oh, yeah. That's true. Yeah. I mean, th there's a horrific element here. I mean, you know, she she's not described as, as this sort of a beautiful character that, that we, we often are inundated with in fantasy settings. She's right. old. She's portly. Her eyes are tired. But they're kind. She's she's humanized. She is somebody we're supposed to empathize with. Yeah, exactly. We're, we're rooting for her. Yeah. We want her to find this guy. 
Or we want this guy to come to her. Or should we be rooting for her? <laughs> right. She, she's like the spider in the web mm -hmm. to trap the fly. So maybe we should be rooting for the guy. <laughs> she, she doesn't strike me as somebody who's going around evil doing. You know, she's, she's, she's running an inn. She's kind. She's, you know, at least saying that she's looking for some peace and quiet. And she doesn't want to be lonely in her twilight years. Uh, you know, and, and to sell that, it's got to be at least a little bit true, right? I think we, we need to take this as all truth, but we can interpret it yeah. however we feel. Yep. But her purpose for the ch town she chose methodically, when she did research, she moved to the crossroads town of one of the villages. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, that's how you pronounce it in Welsh. Yeah, exactly. And she chose to call it the White Sticks Tavern, which most likely has meticulous purpose as well. Bones. <laughs> White Sticks, yes. Oh, Are we getting yeah. close, John? This oh. is what you were thinking, right, John? Oh, I hope so. It's got like a nice little picket fence out front. Mm -hmm. That's not why she named it that. The other thing to think about is if she is waiting for revenge and she's acting like the spider, she is one of those very dangerous of antagonists, a patient one. She has incredible patience. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. And she's unassuming, right? It sounds like... She's not the person anybody is going to assume could be dangerous. Right. It's like misery. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hope she doesn't have a sledgehammer. I love the idea of, you know, fleshing this character out in terms of like, like I'd love to hear somebody write dialogue for this, you know. And, and Oh, definitely. Does, yeah. she, does she come in? Like if you stay at the tavern, does she, is it breakfast? You know, what's what's for breakfast? And I'm, I'm imagining waffles. Okay. Yeah. Maybe with locally sourced blueberries. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, honey from her own apiary out back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, she she's a beekeeper. She keeps bees. That's and that's how that's how she's going to do him in. <laughs> I was just thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> but death bees, you know, she's got um, she, she's got murder hornets. <laughs> she's got murder hornets. No, you should never pull from current news. <laughs> no, no, no. Why don't we leave Gabria there for now? We can always come back to her in later episodes. Yeah. And by all means, to our listeners, if you want to expound even further on this unassuming, portly old lady with kind eyes, please, by all means, do so. Yeah. And, you know, if not bees, then perhaps what is her, her, her plans for this fellow, this doomed fellow that she's waiting for? Right. Why does she believe that a tavern called the White Sticks Tavern and Inn is the perfect web to catch him in? Maybe he comes into town, he sees the name of the tavern, and he already knows what fate is in store for him. Yes, and she knows that he knows that he won't be able to pass it up. Yeah. His personality is such that he'll see the sign. And instantly understand, and he'll have to go in. He won't be able to walk by. He might not do it the first time. He might not do it the second time. But at some point, he's not going to be able to stop himself yeah. from going in with the little bell that rings when the door opens. He's compelled. Yeah. Yeah. He he's He's compelled to meet his own fate. I love that. And she knows that. And that's part of the web that she's weaved. All right. So we got one for horror. This is now canon. This is canon in our horror world. I'm going to pass it through the old creaky door, and there's going to be a sound effect that's going to be really impressive. 
All right. It is now canon. All right. For our next entry, we're actually going to go to fantasy for a moment. Kevin, would you like to introduce us to Thimbles? Yes. Thimbles, the proprietor of the Clock Tower Inn. A diminutive individual, perhaps human, perhaps not. Innkeeper and bartender who has created a complex assortment of gadgets, compartments, weapons, tools, escape routes, all built into his bar and the building. He can traverse the bar and serve numerous patrons all on his own, using the mechanisms and labyrinthine passageways constructed throughout. It connects to a secret network of tunnels and passageways extending the breadth of the entire city of Sire. He requires no nosy employees who might learn of his secrets. He is thus privy to many of the secrets that are thought to be well hidden and answers to the mysteries yet to be solved. He is a formidable opponent and knower of obscure things. Thimbles often wears metal devices on the tips of his forefinger and thumb on at least one hand, which others have sometimes mistaken to be sewing thimbles. Hence the name. Uh, These are indeed tools which protect his fingertips from the constant pushing, tapping, and pulling of small metal parts, but in some cases they also serve as keys to unlock secret compartments, doorways, or passages. Clocks and similar devices are rare in this world. Thimbles is a master of their intricacies. Uh, He acquired the building where the inn resides based on the fact that it housed the ancient clock that resides in the tower at its peak. This device predates much of the city, and its origins are unknown even to thimbles. And that's basically it. All right. I left a little blurb in there about the inspiration for this character. Who inspired you? Well, uh, if you if you ever watched the movie Silverado, one of my favorite westerns from the 1980s, um, there's a marvelous actor named Linda Hunt who plays uh, the bartender in the town of Silverado. And Linda Hunt is is a little person, and her character essentially remakes the world to fit her needs. That's that's sort of how she approaches the world. And she is this mm. this wise, strong character, a caregiver, and, a, and a, but also a powerful character. So, um, and you know, one of one of my favorite characters. I like her a lot. Yeah. I had that idea, and then it sort of morphed into a little bit of a puppet master, gadgeteer kind of character. I get such a vivid image of. He barely takes a step when he's working because of the devices that carry him so quickly around the inn to administer to all the patrons. He'll flip a switch and the platform that he's standing on will speed him to the end of the bar and then uh, an arm will come from the ceiling and, and grab the harness that he always wears and lifts him up and brings him over to a table to serve drinks and food and speeds him back. I imagine the place is always packed, if for no other reason, just to sit and watch the spectacle of this, uh, the clockwork in. Yeah, and some of those were ideas that I had early on, too. But I also um, have written a scene that we'll share at some point uh, that yes. goes a little bit in a, in a somewhat different direction. Oh, you. really? Okay, good, good. Yeah. You but can tell I haven't read the scene yet. That's okay. No, that's totally fine. I gave it to you about 10 minutes before we got on this call. It's a little... A little more mysterious, perhaps a little darker, you know. Okay, okay. But, but uh, yeah, no. But it, I love that, and that's sort of the whole point of these sparks, right? Is to be able to leave it 
somewhat vague, somewhat open-ended, so that somebody can take it and fit it into their campaign, however they so choose. Exactly. One thing that I'll share is I envision a bar where you sit down and a little little hatch opens and a drink comes up. So it's not so much him bringing you what you order it's the bar itself serving you a little bit yeah and that it could be that you know but it i love actually i like the way you described like a harness like he's wearing this rig of gear and gadgets yeah and and he can essentially fly he can essentially within his bar he is all controlling and he's like dr octopus (laughs) and your explanation of how the metallic pieces the thimbles on his on his fingers and thumbs um how they can also be keys to open certain doors i loved the visual i got from that where some some are simple locks where he just needs to press one of his fingers with the, the thimble on the end it's not so much a keyhole as just like a divot uh, indentation and it recognizes the thimble and it opens but there might be others where he has to use multiple certain combinations of his fingers into these little divots to open the the lock yeah or different combinations do different things in the same interface (laughs) yes it it might be like a uh, a big carousel behind the wall where it's just one lock, but depending on what combination, you you hear the gears turning, and when the door opens, what you'll see inside is dependent upon how he unlocked the door. Perhaps that all came from something that was there before him. Like, he he got this building because he was fascinated by the clock and the clockwork, but maybe he uncovered this clockwork mystery where he's then taken it and built on it and expanded it into this amazing you know apparatus there's history there there's something was there before that used it for same purpose a different purpose who knows yeah so yeah that's that's sort of the 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 fun ideas is it's nice to leave hooks it's nice to leave something open-ended so that is you know somebody can take it and either build on it or it it can fit into their existing campaign all right so thimbles yeah perhaps uh coming to a theater near you you never know Yes, in some future episode, we will have a little little dialogue for you, and you can meet Thimbles one-on-one. So, into the fantasy vault goes Thimbles. Now we're going to come back to Har, and this is, without a doubt, cosmic. This is Kylan's contribution, and um, what he has given us is Eddie. He's the proprietor of Wanderhome. There isn't much remarkable about Eddie or his establishment. It's the kind of place you might find on any stretch of long, poorly traveled road. From the outside, it sometimes resembles an old barn, bowing dangerously beneath what appears to be too much weight. Other times, an abandoned gas station, the pumps standing forlorn and forgotten above the stark shadows in the midday sun. And still other times, well, It may not appear at all. You'll know it's there, though, as long as you know where to look. As for the man himself, he stands five foot seven on a good day, but only five six when he's tired. And Eddie is tired a lot. He's a man whose round, ruddy face has deep lines in it, though whether from smiling or screaming, it's hard to tell. His shoulder-length hair is stringy and patchy in places atop his head but it's always impeccably clean. He always seems to have a five o'clock shadow. 
It's always five o'clock somewhere, after all, Eddie likes to say. He's a bit soft around the middle, though from a certain angle, he appears so gaunt it seems a wonder that he's still alive. Perhaps Eddie's most striking feature is his eyes. It can be hard to tell, as he keeps them hidden. Hidden behind a strip of double-wrapped white silk that never leaves his face. Sometimes patrons ask him about it, and his mouth does not change from its constant sad smile as he explains that the last person who looked into his eyes fell to the floor, laughing and laughing and laughing, louder and louder, until it echoed off the walls, and their throat began to tear, and their mouth filled with blood, and did not stop until they died of a heart attack. And the person before that, he goes on, ended an entire world. Most people stop asking questions around that time, and go on about their business. They try not to notice that everything here is just a little off-center, the way the floor tiles don't quite line up, though there are no gaps, or the fact that some of them came in through the door of an abandoned gas station, and others threw open rotten barn doors to arrive. They don't talk about it, because it's not polite. The drinks are always good, though. Eddie brews his own, and he calls it manna from heaven. It doesn't come in a bottle, only from the tap, and it's always exactly the right temperature. Some swear that Eddie's manna is warm like a summer day, and others call it cool and refreshing, like an ocean breeze. Oh, did you see that? Eddie's talking to himself again. Don't worry, he does that sometimes. Says it's the ghosts that haunt him. It always sounds like he's apologizing to someone, doesn't it? Well, that's just his way. Eddie hates to offend. Enjoy it while you're here. You might never find a place quite like this again. If you're looking for it, though, just keep wandering. You never know when you might just wander home again. Eddie. <laughs> I love that. Whew. I love it. I love it. In my mind, you triggered two things. Both of them are in black and white. One is Eddie Haskell from Leave it to Beaver. <laughs> and I don't know why. All right. I really don't know why. But, but you know, Eddie, I sort of picture this as that character grown up. He was a juvenile delinquent. Like, he got into a lot of trouble. You know he did some stuff, and, you know, and then he had some experiences, and maybe this is what happens. He, he awakened something that should have stayed asleep. That's right. Yep. He got Wally and the Beave to, you know, form a circle, and they... <laughs> They started chanting. <laughs> they were, they are, they will be again. That's right. That's it. I love that. <laughs> I like the black and white idea. You could imagine that wherever they're coming from is black and white and sort of a in a Wizard of Oz sort of way. When you enter, it's color. Oh, yeah. But maybe the color is just a bit off. Mm. The longer you stay in there, the more the colors wash out. Or the more you stay in there, the more the colors leach into you so that when you leave... You take part of it with you. Oh. Sort of a color out of space, if you will. Oh, I still haven't seen that. I got to go see that. You should read it first. Okay. I think I, I think I did read it. I just haven't, I haven't right. seen the... Was it Nicolas Cage? It was. Okay. Well, I'll see it anyway. He does a glorious Nicolas Cage. 
<laughs> it is spot on. It's interesting. It's even a little confusing. The first person that he says who saw the eyes, they laughed themselves to death. And then the second person ended an entire world. Mm-hmm. Well, that, yeah. I mean, talk about opening up your, your possibilities. Like, that's almost one where, you know, you don't even want to add more detail to that. Yeah. Just knowing that there is this ultimate danger is 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 a very powerful story tool i think right because it's it's like no 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 that's a line you don't cross <laughs> no matter what it depends on who you are if you see his eyes if you don't have the constitution or maybe it's a hereditary thing or or you're not blessed or cursed in some way you're gonna die you're gonna die laughing yeah right, right. but if you're a certain person and you see Eddie's eyes, you destroy a world. Well, you yeah. You destroy an entire world. If you're the Falcon and you, you know, from Marvel and, and you look into his eyes and you, you, go, bon- you go bonkers, you go bananas, you, 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 you go crazy, you laugh yourself to death. But if you're Thanos yeah. and you look into his eyes or, or, or Doctor Strange, you know, then, yeah, you're probably going to end a, end a world somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree that not going into detail about what ending a world means. Right. Kind of like I wish they had done in Solo with the Kessel Run. <laughs> but we won't go there right now. We no. won't go there. No, don't go there. But the idea is something is passing from Eddie onto the people who see his eyes. So it, it depends on the vessel. Either that, you're either, you know, you're passing something on and, you know, like infecting them. Or you're revealing, you know, something about the universe that they simply can't handle, right? Which is a very cosmic. Right, right, right. Maybe in his eyes is the power that keeps this place from being in our actual known space. Because if you can open a door over here and enter, and then another person can open a door on the other side of the country and enter into it, it's not always in the same place. It moves or it's just everywhere at once, and it depends on what door you open kind of thing. So maybe the the full understanding of of that impossible law of physics gets thrown at you when you see Eddie's eyes and you can either handle it or it can use it as incredibly destructive power. Yeah. It's like, it's like the diner at the end of reality, right? Right. Close to the restaurant at the end of the universe. Um, Right. Exactly. Eddie is the proprietor and maybe the architect or maybe, maybe Eddie was the first customer. Oh. And he walked in and he saw something and he can't leave now. And uh, right. if you come in, you know, you don't see, you don't look at his eyes and he's, he's sorry. He's sorry for things that, that have happened since. Yes, he's apologized over and over again. And since our world still exists, what world was destroyed? And we don't have to answer that, of course. Oh, of course not. No, right. It's not our world. No. There our are, world is still here. There are multi- I mean, right off the bat, that's the great thing about this spark is like, yeah, there, there are other worlds. There's one less than there used to be. Right. <laughs> <laughs> one thing that, that occurred to me, I envision that there is a door somewhere inside the diner. Mm. Um, hopefully it's not one of the restrooms doors. It's, <laughs> it's like a closet or something like that, that you don't, you don't open. You don't go through that door. You're risking enough just entering into this impossible space. But to go even deeper, yeah, you don't want to do that. Yeah. And then... You know, everybody's coming in through the front door, but they're coming from different different origins. What happens if you go out the door before it closes when somebody comes in? Oh, 
Yeah, do you end up where they came from? Uh, maybe that's one of the things Eddie is sorry for. Or do you, you know, do you end up with the same qualities? This, you know, do you or or do you see what it is that Eddie saw that made him the way he is? And you have to go open your own diner. <laughs> right. Yeah, I was going to say, what what if uh, one of the things he's sorry for is that he's tried to take this burden off his shoulders and pass it on to someone else like it was passed on to him, but he's that all went terribly awry. Yeah, and he's since given up trying to escape. Right. He's settled in to the Wander Home, and maybe in a way Eddie is Wander Home and Wander Home is Eddie. They are inseparable. The diner in your mind. Right. All right. Well, into horror it goes. And there it is. It is canon. It is part of the world. All right. We did it. So, yeah, let's, let's think of a spark for episode three. This is episode one. Episode two will be something that well, maybe it'll be further discussion about the stuff we talked about in this one. Episode three will have your submissions, lovely listeners. And uh, the spark is going to be, I don't know. What do you think? We had a person for the first one. Mm, yeah, so maybe a place now, yeah. A place, yeah. Well, each one had a place that came with the person. Well, a barkeep is inherently part of a place. That's true. So what about... Actually, how about a holiday? Like a t- an event? Ooh, that's a great idea. Holiday. Yeah. We just passed through a few of them. Yeah, we just passed through the, the Western cluster of holidays. Yes. That's the spark. It's a holiday. Nice. Cool. Well, Kevin, thank you so much. I think this is a, a wonderful start. It was so much fun. I, I love. I love just getting in these ideas and trying them on for size and, and, you know, seeing where they go. And uh, I'm looking forward to doing this a lot more. Me too. Thank you for listening. And thanks again to Kevin for joining me for the start of this little experiment. If you've enjoyed Threat Dice, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform, Podchaser, or tweet us at TumbleEye. I'll read any reviews into the announcements. We'd love to hear from you. Threat Dice is a production of Tumble Die Games, LLC. Our intro music was Sons of Loki, and the outro music is Storm, all by Vince Vept. Check out his amazing work at youtube.com slash Vince Vept. That's V-I-N-D-S-V-E-P-T. Background music for Kylan's submission was Gateway to Hell by Kevin McLeod. See the show notes for more details on his work. This episode was produced and recorded by me, Andy Fling. No, son, I can't put $10 on pump three and this isn't 7-Eleven. Why don't you have a seat and a drink on the house? You're not going to want to open that door again for a bit. It's not exactly safe. Your car will be fine. Just give it a few moments and you can be on your way. Have a seat and I'll fix you up with a glass of mana from heaven. My name's Eddie, by the way, and this is my place, Wander Home. You can find Threat Dice on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Mm, yeah, and then because I, I have a, a huge rat infestation. <laughs> okay.
Well, that that's a that's a blooper. We're going to put that at the end of the episode. Absolutely. 